your favorite preacher is about to preach right now. So get excited. There we go. All right. We woke up the saints. Spiritual warfare, lesson number eight. I put wheat, wheat in the wheat field there because uh, the text is so powerful. Jesus is speaking here in Luke 22, 31 through 34. And I really want you to dig into this in spiritual warfare, lesson number eight. If you're ready, say amen. Taylor's here, so let's go. Simon, Simon, how many know if Jesus has to say your name twice, you need to be listening? I mean, just right off the top, if Jesus, how many parents have to call your kid's name twice? None of you? All right, well, Simon, Simon, Peter is his name. Listen, Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain, like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, that your faith, that is your confidence in me, may not fail. And you, once you have turned back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. Hallelujah. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Jesus said, hey, Peter, Peter, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you'll utterly deny me three times. That you even know me. So sad. Satan's got some goals. This is a powerful text here. Uh, Satan has some goals. One goal, really, for all believers, and that is to kill, steal, and destroy. I know you think he's after somebody else. He's not after you. But how many know he's just as much after you and your name and your family and your stuff than he is anybody else? He, John 10.10, Satan's job description. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So the church needs to get some backbone and stand up against the wiles of the enemy. That's what this whole series has been about. we got to stand up against the enemy. We have a real enemy to fight. Yes, we have the uh, victory in Christ. How many know through Jesus we have the victory? But the victory doesn't come without a fight. I think sometimes believers think that we just go on. God's gonna, He's got this. We're just going to make it, you know, and God's going to take care of everything. We don't have to fight. No, you got to get up and get battle, get battle ready, right? Put on the whole armor of God so you might be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy, the threats, the devices, the schemes, the tricks, the traps. Every day, every day, he's got his his uh, trap and scheme planned for you. What is your plan to overcome? So he's determined to destroy your walk with God. He's determined to separate you from Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the church. And it's just that order, it's reverse order. He'll separate you from your family. He'll separate you from your church. He'll separate you from your small group, people holding you accountable, until he ultimately separates you from your faith in Jesus. Why is he attacking us, Pastor? How do I know when he's attacking me? How do I recognize his attacks? Those are the questions we want to answer this morning. If you're ready, we'll get right on down to it, right? First thing that I noticed is that, um, that um, Satan's problem with attacking us is that he has to get permission from God. How many know that's just powerful? If Satan's going to attack you, he can't do anything to God because you are God's kid. Somebody needs to get excited. You belong to God. You don't belong to Satan or the world. You belong to God. And if he's going to do anything to try to deter you, destroy you, distort you, discourage you, he's going to have to get permission from God. And that's good news to me. Amen? So it's not like God doesn't know about it. God knows about it. 
It's hard to imagine Satan has access to the heavenlies, but he goes and he acts. He asked the Lord uh, God about Job. And Job was a righteous man, but he had to go and get per- permission. Then he had to actually ask God to take the, the protection barrier away from Job. I mean, oh, God's got you covered. I said, Jesus has taken care of the enemy for you. After all, he died on the cross. Does anybody believe in the atonement? Does anybody believe that the blood of Jesus took care of the enemy once and for all? Annihilated him. But we still have the presence here of sin. We still have the presence of sin here because of the fall of man. We still have the presence of sin. Are you understanding? Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I said, I know you're saved, but how many of you still have a problem every now and then? There's a real devil tempting. Even Jesus, he even tempted Jesus. Because he knows the potential Jesus had. And if he tempted Jesus, if he had the audacity to tempt Jesus, how many know he's got your number? He's going to try. I said he's going to try. But all who have Christ Jesus already have the victory, right? So that's good news to me that uh, Satan has desired to sift you. Why? Uh, He wants to sift you like wheat. And Jesus says, but... I'm praying for you, not that you wouldn't be sifted. Here's the goal here. You know, Jesus, why didn't he just pray that he wouldn't be sifted? Jesus has a plan and a purpose in your pain. Whatever problem you're facing, you hear the preacher today, it's not that Jesus doesn't know about it, but he wants you to grow about it. There's There's a purpose in going through whatever he allows the enemy to try to do to you. He knows you got what it takes. Now, that's value. Jesus trusts you to get up in the morning and put on the warfare garment, right? The garment of praise, the sword of the spirit. He trusts you to read your Bible, pray, go to church, have accountability partners. He, he trusts you to be a warfaring believer, a worshiping believer. See, David was awesome because David was a worshiper on one side, but he was also a warrior on the other. And a lot of times we know how to be worshipers, but we don't know how to be warriors. Remember what we used to call the older ladies in the church? Prayer warriors. That's people who know how to fight the enemy, who have to pull down the strongholds, who, who know how to separate uh, the idea that we got this, and yet we don't have anything without him, right? And so... So it's not that you, you, you're not going to be sifted. He didn't keep Satan away from accessing us. My, he said, my prayer is a different purpose. Jesus said, Peter, things might get ugly down here, but I'm praying for you. Would you lift your hand in the, in the air and just say, thank you, Jesus, for praying for me. I'm praying for you. Peter, I'm praying for you. That first you is a plural you. Praying for you and all the disciples. And not just the 12 disciples or 11 after Judas betrayed the Lord and killed himself. I'm praying for every disciple after you. Can I just tell you, Oak Grove, you ought to be encouraged this morning. Jesus is praying for you. Oh, man, some other churches, they would have shouted for that one. Jesus is praying for you. And Jesus is saying, can you keep your faith in the middle of your mess? Some of you are in a mess. Some of the mess you caused, some of the mess the enemy caused, some of the mess the world caused, but some of us are in a mess. And God wants to know, are you going to be able to make it? 
the testings of your faith. They prove, they prove to God that you belong to him and that you're going to make it. We have to learn to trust God right in the middle of all of this. Learn to trust God in the middle of your mess. That's the purpose. And so, you know, you say, Pastor, my marriage is on the rocks or my kids are on meth. I don't know what to do about my grandkids. My, uh, my parents don't even know I exist. Never met my dad. I lost my job. My nation is in shambles. I've been evicted. I'm emotionally unstable. I'm spiritually uh, backslidden. Whatever your mess is, how many know Jesus wants to get in the middle of it? And guess who else wants to be in the middle of it? Satan wants to take advantage of your weaknesses. If you don't understand that, I need to whisper. Maybe you'll listen to me closer. You need to know that Satan is after you. He knows your vulnerabilities. He knows your weaknesses. And he don't care how old you are. He don't care if you've been in the church 40 years or 20 minutes. He's after you. Say, Pastor, why do I have to go through all of this? Well, You've got to stand up in the middle of it all and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm, I'm talking to somebody today. Things are out of place and your faith is, is still intact. Everything else is out of place, but your faith is still intact. You know why? Because Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. I said, Jesus is praying for you. And I'm praying for you. And Melissa's praying for you. And this church is praying for you. And the Holy Ghost is interceding for you. And God's on the throne, and he's got your back. How many know all the Trinity and the whole church has got your back? Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it because Jesus is praying for me. Say, Pastor, I'm tired. I haven't slept in three days. My heart is broke. My mind is confused. But I'm going to make it because I understand Jesus is praying. It's crucial to recognize the warning signs from the attack. I just want to give you a few. Learn to recognize the signs of Satan's attacks. So, Max, I see you lately just taking pictures. I'm going to try to go slow where you can catch it. There's others of you who are, are taking notes. That's good. If you're taking notes at home, uh, you can take a picture. Max has a, a little secret. He takes a picture of the slide. Then he does his homework when he gets home because pastor goes too fast. <laughs> but here's the deal. The first attack is a lack attack. How many ever had a lack? I love the Apostle Peter because he, he makes me feel so good about myself. <laughs> He's had a lot of opportunity to not be so refined. And uh, there comes a time whenever it seems that all your resources dry up at the same time. I mean, oh, when it comes, it seems like when it rains, it pours. The dishwasher went out and the, and the, and the, uh, and the washing machine broke, and then the filter. One day we were uh, just on a on a vacation or somewhere. We were on a trip. Come back. I think it was vacation. Come back. There's water all over the, the kitchen floor, and and uh, and the filter on the refrigerator just decided it would malfunction on hardwood floors. Hey, and you call your insurance and thank God for insurance. Thank God, get insurance if you don't have insurance. But anyways, doesn't make it doesn't make it any more pleasant than it is without <laughs> without it. It's still a mess. But at least you got somebody to help you. So, I, I mean, I uh, I tried to get up all the water as I could and dry it up. And then all of a sudden, the next morning, they cup, you know, all the wood planks to begin to cup. And so the adjuster comes. How I many know oh, he's your friend? Don't you just love the adjusters? It's like they go to I hate you training school or something, along with the DMV people, you know. 
but uh, uh, is it DMV? No. Yeah, DMV. Okay, the, the drivers, drivers people. Uh, it just seemed, you know, they're like they're a lot nicer since COVID. One good thing came out of COVID. DMV workers, nicer. I love y'all. I'm just teasing. But timing is the key here. Satan wants you to take your eyes off of God and put it on anything else. I'm gonna tell you what. We had to spend a couple of weeks in the hotel room, um, waiting till they take all the floor out, then they dry it all out, take all the floor out. Got to order the floor. The floor might get here. You know, it's just quite a deal. How I many know it can? It can all happen at one time. And if you're not careful, Satan will use those itty bitty things that pile up on you and conglomerate a bunch of different things until he's trying to get you to be more than just aggravated, trying to get you to give up. But how many say, I'm not giving up? It take more than just the wet floors. But, um, but he's trying to get you to see anything else is valuable other than what God has for you. Money, relationships, uh, material, security. Here's where, here, here's where he's trying to get us to Instead of worship, he wants us to worry. It's one of his attacks. And when we have a lack, if financially or in any other way, we start worrying. And the worrying takes place of worshiping. You can't worship and worry at the same time. I need an amen up here. So you have to make a choice right there. Am I going to stand and worship in the middle of my mess? Or am I just going to? You might as well worship the Lord. How I many of you are not going to stop problems from happening? Only three places you can be. You're in a trial, you just came out of a trial, or a trial is on the way. I came to encourage you, all of you, in line two. So you start making decisions based upon opportunity rather than the anointing. The reason you're going through it, friend, is because you are anointed. You've been chosen by the Lord. This is the Apostle Peter here. Satan has desired. He's asked permission. To sift you like wheat. I don't know if you know what sifting is, but in the old Bible days, they had a sifting and a, uh, they began to separate the wheat from the kernel, you know, the, the, the husk, and they would do that by sifting. In our day, maybe, how many ever sift flour? I was going to get a sifter, an old fashioned sifter, but none of you are paying attention anyway. I didn't want to bring all that up here. But you remember, you get that lumpy flour and then you just get it down. Work at a chicken place, you know, you gotta, you gotta sift that flour. All you got is big lumps of stuff, fat or whatever, and then the flour goes down and you have good, good flour. Same thing with wheat. Same thing with wheat. In other words, Satan, Satan's trying to shake you and sift you over and over again. Sometimes you have to sift it more than once. And so the thing about attacks is that he keeps on coming. If it's not this, if this didn't work, he'll try that. If it didn't work with alcohol, he'll try relationships. If it didn't work with relationships, he'll try money. If it didn't work with money, he will try patience. Has the enemy ever tried to work on your patience? I found somebody. But remember now, God anointed you. Remember what happens when you're under attack. You become vulnerable and tempted. Two times in your lifetime that you're going to, Satan gets you. You begin to worry instead of worship. And then two times in your lifetime, the most vulnerable times, is when you have nothing or when you have everything. I mean, he gets you when you're up and he gets you when you're down. A third time Satan would try to get you is when you're alone. He loved, That's why his trick is to divide and conquer. 
He wants you to be separated from your husband or wife. He wants you to be separated from your children or your family or your grandkids or your church or your accountability partner. Anybody that draws you closer to God, he wants to get you away from them. And isolation happens when people come under attack. and Problems come and they just give up and they back up. And, you know, I guess God doesn't love me. How many know the devil is a liar? The very fact that you're under attack is because God loves you. Isn't that something? So, trust God in the lack times, and here are things to watch for. If you're uh, learning how to how to uh, see the attacks when you're under a lack attack, signs to watch for. Number one, loss of spiritual desire or appetite. Just don't feel like reading the Bible no more. God's not listening to me in prayer, so I just don't think I'm going to pray anymore. Why should I pray? I get no response. People say they hear from God. They get God to speak to them in their spirit. I never get anybody. I don't hear nothing. I mean, all the devil speaks too. And when he speaks, he's telling you stuff like you're miserable. You're no good. You don't deserve anything. All those lies. He's always trying to capitalize and try to steal you away from God. So, so you're walking by faith and not by your feelings. Is anybody hearing me? So the first thing to watch for is your hunger for God. We don't live by our feelings. I said we don't live by our feelings. In a culture where everybody's so sensitive about their feelings. Go to Lowe's and get a ladder and get over that. We don't live by our feelings, but by faith. We're not doing this out of duty. We're doing this because we're delighting in the Lord. And you know what happens when you delight yourself in the Lord? He gives you the desires of your heart. So if you sense even just a little bit that you're backing away from your prayer time or your Bible time, you need to stand up and just read more, spend more time. Tell the devil he's gone far enough. What God wants to do, if you want to understand the difference between God God speaking and Satan attacking, God wants you to, in the middle of your trial, go closer to him. Read more. Pray more. Satan wants you to give up. And be mad at God and go further away. So if you lose your appetite for God or the things of God, it's a sure sign. And so when you delight in the Lord, nothing can compare. People passionate for God find pleasure in the things of God. Can you say amen? So keep your eyes and your heart open. Uh, another th- a sign of attack is physical fatigue. Say, boy, am I under it right now. Let <laughs> I me mean, say, boy, am I under it. If that's a sign, I'm under it. Um, I think some of our culture has caused us to have physical fatigue, right? I mean, America don't know how to rest. They don't know how to stop. It's a 24 hours a day kind of thing. Wives are working. Husbands are working. Children are working. Or it's supposed to be. A lot of people decided they weren't going to work anymore in America. Can't find anybody to work. Isn't it crazy? I have, I have lived 58 years, Tuesday will be 58 years old, and I've never seen a day where nobody wanted to go to work. I have never seen a day like that. But I guess if you reward people for not going to work, why would they? And so I don't know who's dumber. People who are not working, take advantage of the system, or the people who are working. I mean, God said, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, that's God's word, and that's God's principle. So go to work. Go to work. Get a job. Get a job. Get a job. 
I need my band. It's something, though. You've got to watch for it. Keep your mind uh, alert. and be, be you're, you're created by God, spirit, soul, and body. So spirit, soul, and body. So your diet, your exercise, your sleep, especially your sleep. Now, Taylor, I know you and Chrissy fighting it because you've got a little baby, two, three weeks old. But that's understandable. It will come back to you. Stretch your hand toward Taylor and Chris. Say, Lord, bless him with sleep. Supernatural rest from the Lord himself. Amen. But if, if your body's weak and things start to creep in, Satan uses creeping things. Little, small, creepy things. And they creep in unnoticed, unaware. Right? Subtle, very tricky, and uh, they begin to bother you, and uh, and they affect your mind. Your soul allows negative things to affect your spirit, but remember not to give up. Remember the attack is an indication that victory is coming. How many know victory is on the way? Why would he attack you? Why would he attack you? Because he knows you're chosen by God and anointed, and he knows you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. How many know that's a that's a way to think better about the attacks? So watch. Watch it. Uh, uh, did I say prayer life? Yeah, I think your prayer life, isolation from the church. So why did see? Why did he want Peter so bad? He was anointed. He was anointed. Man, he's the one. I mean, when Jesus said, "Who do men say that I am?" He's the one that piped up, and nobody else said nothing. But it was old courageous, loud mouth Peter, who said, "Hey, thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And we know his spiritual. Uh, uh, Tone there because Jesus said, "Hey, hey, Simon Barjona called him by his m- earthly name, human name, his surname, Simon Barjona, man of the flesh. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but your Father which is in heaven. How I many know oh, God can give you the power to know who Jesus is? And this Jesus in Peter that was a threat to the enemy. You see, Satan wants to destroy." God and Jesus. He's absolutely upset at God and Jesus, and he's, he's upset at you. So he wants to get at Jesus by getting at you. I said he wants to get at Jesus by testing you, and if you fail, he can look at Jesus and say, your people are not following you. He wants to bring a reproach to Christ. That's what's going on, and if you didn't know that, you need to catch a clue in the lack attack. And remember, Jesus says, I know what's going on here, Peter. Satan is attacking your lack. Don't let him steal your identity. You, Peter, coming after you. I want to sift you like wheat. He wanted to change the identity of who Peter was. Jesus said, upon this rock, this confession you just made, I'm going to build my church. Praise God. But Satan's looking at this intimidated, low self-esteem, Peter. And trying to take advantage of his thought process and uh, and his confidence, Satan lies and he says, "You're worthless. You're a failure. You get you get what you deserve. You'll never change. You're hopeless, disgusting. You're not a real Christian. God's sick of you. If people only knew who you really were, you're going to hell anyway. So why don't you just kill yourself?" That's what Satan says. I mean, oh, Satan is a liar. And even online, there's bullies that try to tell you stuff online. How many know the devil is a liar online too? People are committing suicide, believing the lies and the, and the talk of the enemy. 
that begins to talk down to them. How many know God will never talk down to you? Our God is not a condescending God. Come on now, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. So to understand the difference between Satan, how he talks to you, and how God talks to you, is the difference between condemning and convicting. I mean, no, Jesus still convicts us. But Satan's always condemning us. Jesus is not here to condemn you. He came to save you. Come on now. But Satan just twists that thing on us. You're hopeless. And so Satan wanted Peter bad because he was chosen, because he was anointed. Because of his confession, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Speaking truth came from the Holy Spirit. Satan wanted him because, you know, Jesus always called Peter into the special events. There was 12 disciples, then there was three, closer, a little closer to the circle of Jesus' influence, and Peter, James, and John. And so he would pull those boys in. Wonder why. Not favoritism. Just some people are growing at a faster rate of maturation than others. It, uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out everybody in this house today are not on the same level spiritually. And the ones I'm going to put in leadership are not sitting on the sidelines just staring at everybody. You're going to pull up a leader. If you're going to raise up a leader, you grab the ones that are going after God, who are disciplined, who are going to church, paying their tithe, reading their Bible. You don't pull the deadbeat. Jesus pulled 12 deadbeats. We're all deadbeats. But he saw something in Peter. His courage. That was his strength. I want you to take note of that. And so he pulled him into special events. He, he and James and John witnessed the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. Closed the door. Hey, Peter, James, and John, come with me. And they go to Jairus' house and raises up the daughter. Talitha Kumi, the baby, rises up. Peter witnesses that. A miracle from death to life. And Jesus let him in on that. How many of you would like to walk close enough to Jesus to see a miracle? Okay? If you want to see it, you've got to have to do something. You can't do the same thing and see the same thing. You've got to see a miracle. You're going to have to raise yourself up. Be the leader. So that's why Satan hated him. He also was the one, Peter, James, and John, up to the Mount of Transfiguration where they saw the Lord himself in a glorified state of being, shining brighter than the sun. And it was Peter, old oh, Al Peter, who said, yes, let's build three tabernacles and stay right here. Jesus had to say, Peter, 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 Simon, Simon, listen. Simon, Simon, listen. Has the Lord ever had to say to you, Ron, Ron, listen? No, he said that to me. He said something to you. I'm sure he had called your name a couple of times. No parents here ever had to say, quit it. Quit it. Quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it. You have to say it a bunch of times because children are just children. It's called immaturity. But how many know in the Lord, you're supposed to grow up eventually? And this is talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about growing in your faith. I'm praying for you, Peter. Not that you not go through the trial, but that your faith fail not. I want you to grow in your faith, Peter. And so he lacked a little refinement. Yes. <laughs> He stepped out of the water. How many know there was others in the boat? They didn't get out of the boat. Come on, somebody give God praise for Peter. He was able to get out of the boat at least. Don't see anybody else walking on water. 
Can I just tell you, you never walk on water until you get out of the boat. You can wish it. You can want it. You can think about it. You can make a plan, a strategic plan about it. One day I'd like to walk on the water, so I'm going to put this leg over, and then, then I'm going to put this leg over. You can plan till you're blue in the face. How I many know you just got to get out of the boat? Sooner or later, you got to get enough faith to get out of the boat. And he was doing so well. And then what happened? Satan distracted him. It doesn't take very long for water walkers to fall and drown. But how many know where Jesus was? He reached down and got him. I mean, oh, he'll never let you go so far, he won't be able to reach you. Hey, you may not feel good so far on the message, but how I many know oh, Jesus is always there? The promise is I'll never leave you. Even if the waves overtake you, I will be there to pick you up. At least he stepped out. Satan loves to destroy leaders like that. That's why he wanted Peter so bad. With all Peter's strong points, he lacked refinement in a bad way. <laughs> I hate to pick on him, but it just blesses me, so hang in there. He rebuked Jesus, and Jesus spoke about his death. They're coming to get me. I'll be crucified, but three days later, Peter pulls out his sword. They'll never get you. You heard what he said even in our text today. I will never leave you. I'll, I'll go to prison or death. I'm your man. To which Jesus replied, That's what he said in Hebrew. <laughs> he rebuked Jesus, and Jesus spoke of his death, and Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. What? See, Jesus had the audacity to call Peter what he was at the moment. When he was speaking truth and God-likeness, spoke like God, he said, Upon that, upon that confession, I'm going to build a church. Then he says, you're not going to go to the cross. God forbid. Jesus said, get, be, get behind me, devil. You're talking and thinking and listening to the devil. I've got a plan. I have to go to the cross. How many know the cross is God's purpose? And so, and so, Satan, for you know, you've you got to know this. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For you cannot discern between what is God and what is of me. So he lacked refinement. He lacked. Remember when Jesus washed his feet? Remember that story? How many stories do you want? We got only got a few minutes left. Peter got a whole book just for him. The Lord goes by washing everybody's feet and gets to Peter's feet. You ain't washing my feet. Isn't that something? Just like the, the apostle Peter. You ain't washing my feet. Well, Jesus, said, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, I have nothing to do with you. You have nothing to do with me. I must do this. Then you remember what he said? Okay, take my whole, I'm take a bath. How many ever met like people like that? Don't point at me. Don't point at me. Oh no, Jesus! If you don't, if you don't let me wash your feet, Peter, you have no part of me. He just didn't get it. But there is good news here, right? I love what Jesus says to Peter. Short his shortcomings. Hey, Satan wants to sift you at wheat. You, you do have weaknesses. He's going he's gonna to try to take advantage of you. But I'm praying for you. He didn't say, I'm praying for you, Max. He said, I have prayed for you. I've already prayed for you. 
You're not going to go through one thing, Oak Grove. Listen, you're not going to go through one thing individually. You're not going to go through one thing as a church unless the Lord has something to say about it. You can just wonder how I got here. He is never wondering how you got there. In fact, it was uh, Jesus whenever Peter said, bid me to come. Jesus said, come on. You don't think Jesus already knew he was going to take his eyes and look at the wave? Of course he did. But he was right there. How many glad Jesus is always right there at your moment of failure? I think sometimes we think when we get saved, we're never going to fail again. Think again. You're failing miserably. You're just not telling everybody. That's why if we really prayed out loud about what we really need to pray about, we would be ashamed. Well, we're always whispering our prayers. So nobody hears what we're really going through. Jesus says, hey, Peter, I prayed for you. Remember, Peter could not pray one hour. Jesus was in the, in the garden sweating drops of blood. And Peter, him and the rest, Peter, James, and John, crashed out some like, some, like some of you are right now. Couldn't pray one hour. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. Anybody ever get that? And when your flesh gets weak, Satan's going to try to take advantage of you. That's just the message today. I don't want to prolong this, but but Jesus said, I prayed for you. He said, I'm praying. He didn't say we wouldn't be put to the test. Why wouldn't Jesus just remove the attack, Pastor, or keep Peter from the pain? Because without the test, Peter would have stayed in the state of spiritual immaturity. And God doesn't want you to stunt your growth or stay in a, in a, in a baby mindset as a believer. He wants you to grow up. How many agree with that? God wants you to grow up. And he uses these trials to help us. Uh, he knows how far to let him go. Remember the first time he tested Job? He didn't let him touch his body. And then he asked for more. He took the petition, the protection off. And he let him have a little bit more, and he still didn't deny the Lord. Aren't you glad? He said, I know my Redeemer lives. Job said, if the skinworms eat me alive, I'm still going to trust God. That's powerful. I don't know what you've been through lately, but it can get worse. Isn't that great? You came to church to hear some beautiful news. I want to encourage you, bless you today. It can get worse. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember we were on the trip to uh, Venezuela. And we got stuck in Atlanta, 43 of us, 25 were sick. I mean sick. When I say sick, I'm talking dysentery. 25 were in the bathroom. The rest of us were in the, in the uh, Delta Airlines 2 in the morning. You think it's cold outside? It was freezing in there. I'm talking about freezing cold. And all you can hear is quiet. All the stores were closed. All the restaurants were closed. It's 2 in the morning. And our flight's not going to leave till the next morning. We couldn't get a hotel. I mean, when it rains, it pours. And one of our staff members said to Melissa, you know, Sister Melissa, remember how you people say um, it can't get worse than this? And she said, this is it. This is its worst. This is as worst as it can possibly get. How many have ever been there? Well, it was because Satan wanted to kill the man of God, destroy him, take him out of the game. 
It's in the storm that we grow in our confidence. We were made to weather the storm. Can you say amen to that? God created you and me to make it. And so, you see, Peter writes later on in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Uh, well, this is what we said already. Uh, wow, we said a lot of this already. Just hang in there. Oh, yeah, the value of the test. First Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you. That is, to test the quality of your faith. To every man, God has given a measure of faith. What's the quality of your faith? See that? Are you growing in your faith? As though something strange or unusual were happening to you. This is what Peter's saying later. He learned a few things he's passing on to us today. But in so far as you are sharing Christ's suffering, keep on rejoicing so that when his glory filled with his radiance and splendor is revealed, you may rejoice with great joy. That's the goal here. So the good news is Jesus knows you're better than Satan does, even your weak areas. Now, if you're saying today, Pastor Ron, I have no weak areas. I already found your weak area. It's in the area of pride, somewhere in that area, right? You're uh, self-confident. But what we need is God confidence. So it should be noted, Peter's strongest trait was courage. And that's what failed him. Satan will attack you in your strongest area. It seems like he might take advantage of weaker areas, but where he's really going after is your strongest trait, which was courage. And Peter failed. He failed. He failed in his courage, but he didn't fail in his faith. Would somebody lift your hand to the Lord today and say, Father, let me hold on to my faith. Come on, lift both your hands. Just say, Lord, help me hold on to my faith. I might fail in the area of courage. I might even, I might even get discouraged, but I'm not going to let go of my faith. Can you say amen to that? And so Peter learned the value. He was saying to Peter, Jesus said, Satan knows your weaknesses and desires to take advantage of you and separate you from me. He says, but I know your weaknesses too. Before the sun rises tomorrow, Peter, you will have slept instead of praying. You will, you will draw your sword inappropriately at the wrong time to kill people I don't want to kill. You will deny me three times before the crow, uh, crow uh, for tomorrow morning. You will, drag, you will drag yourself around depressed and miserable. Because you allow Satan to take advantage of you. He's sifting you. He's sifting you. Body, mind, and spirit. He's, he's tacking you. And, and, and Satan may drag you around. But Jesus said, I'm praying for you. One of my favorite pictures is that picture, uh, the guy by the cross, and, he's, and Jesus is holding him. He's limp. You know that? He's limp, and Jesus has got him under his arms, and he's just holding him. How many's ever been there? If you haven't, hang in there. There'll be a day where the Lord has to hold you up. And it's a sweet, sweet embrace. Can somebody say amen to that? Wouldn't you like to know that Jesus is praying for you? Well, boy, do I have good news. Jesus is praying for you. Online, listen to me. You could be in depression. You could be ready to commit suicide. Give up on your marriage. Go bankrupt. Whatever your problem is, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you here today, too. He lives to pray for you, the Bible says. It should be noted. He attacked his courage. The one who jumped the ship 
to walk on the water, the one who was willing to take the sword on to all the soldiers. <laughs> he attacked his greatest. That's something Satan knows about. But he attacks your greatest strength. And yes, his courage failed, but his faith did not. How many of you know this morning Jesus is praying for you? I mean, do you really know that? I mean, do you really know that? Let me see your hand. If you really understand him. So, you will always come up stronger as a result of the test. And uh, Peter was brought back to this place later, that place where he denied the Lord, the courtyard. And he preached with boldness, proclaimed, Who shall we obey, God or man? Kill me if you will. Do what you want with me. My faith still stands. I wonder, is anybody here, after all you've been through, your faith is still standing? Come on, I wonder how many overcomers are in this house. I wonder how many people been through some warfare, been through some things, had some warfare tears. You had to fight some battles. You had to conquer some devils. You had to get over some strongholds. How many here still have your faith? That's what he's after. He's not really worried about your courage. He's just using that to get your faith. He wants you to be hopeless and render you a failure so you'll throw in the towel. And then Jesus says one more thing. When you're converted, strengthen your brother. I love that. Would you stand with me this morning? That, to me, is the icing on the cake. That's the icing on the cake. Chris, Tori, you can come back. And uh, uh, his, his courage may have failed, but his faith did not. Why? Because Jesus was there. That last thing Jesus says here is just powerful. When you're converted, strengthen your Strengthen your sister. That gives me hope. Hey, if you're, in, if you're in a bad place today, just know that Jesus has offered you an opportunity to repent. Go ahead. Take advantage of it. Get down to the altar. Get that thing right. Repent and turn around. And how many know he'll pick you up and take care of you? That's the forgiveness that's offered from the Lord. Peter's... Peter's uh, uh, sitting on the shores, washing his nets, going back to his career before the ministry. Jesus is dead. He's hopeless. Jesus comes out of the grave, goes right to him. Say, Peter, do you love me? Sure, I love you, Lord. So no, Peter, no. Do you love me? Yes. One more time. Peter, do you love me? One love for every denial. Three times you denied me, you need to tell me you love me three times. See, if you love me then, go strengthen your brother. Feed my sheep. Tend to my lamps. Take care of my church. There's a reason I pulled you out, Peter. Satan's determined to destroy some of you. He desires, he asks God if he can test you. It means he wants to separate you. He wants you to tear God's heart by proving that there's no reality to your faith. So, I will, I will crush. He wants to crush you. He wants to sift you. Nothing will be left but failure. Look at Judas. Judas is a prime example. He will do whatever is necessary to get you to give up, and give in, fall away. 
Don't allow it. It affects not just you. Can I tell you, everybody else around you is affected by sin. Adam's fall touched us all. David's sin affected Bathsheba. It affected the baby. It affected her, uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Mm. It affected the kingship. It affected the house of David for many years to come. Your sins will find you out and they will affect people around you. It's not just you. So Satan knows if he can tempt you and trick you, he'll trip not only you up, but everybody you influence will be tripped up. That's why he was trying to snuff out Peter. You have a really determined enemy. But how many know you also have a diligent friend? His name is Jesus. Come on, lift your hand to the Lord. You have a diligent friend. His name is Jesus. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All your sins and griefs to bear. Amen. He promises you. That he will intercede for you, ever intercede for you. And when the enemy comes at you, know this. Somebody is pleading your case. Jesus is our advocate. The Holy Ghost is our paraclete. The church is walking aside of you as well. You're going to make it. Jesus is forever in heaven making intercession. Hebrews 7.25. Some of you need to remember the buts in scripture. Yes, I said B-U-T-S. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. I'm praying for you. Satan and his tricks and his snares and his devices and his schemes trying to do his best. But how many know Jesus has the last word? Stand by our side. He never leaves us. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to take the bait and fall into sin. Jesus has equipped us with spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We've been trying to teach you, O Grove, how to overcome the enemy. You say, I don't know the signs. I gave you the signs. Lack of spiritual hunger. Don't want to pray anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to be around small group people. I don't want to be around anybody who has an influence for God. I don't want to be around anybody like that. And you, and you need to hear the lesson today. He's teaching it. Failure does not mean final. You can get back up. If the waves knock you down, the Lord will pick you up. It's a new day. You may fall. In fact, you will. But once you're converted, Peter, I love this. When you get back up, boy, and repent, come back to me. Get things right with me. Go and encourage your brother and sister. Confession, repentance, forgiveness. Confession, repentance, forgiveness. That's what you need. Are you feeling overwhelmed today and hopeless? You could be under attack.